Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today, and I hope that your week is starting off very, very well, and I know I'm always glad when I get to spend it with you. So we finished up yesterday the whole idea of that fearless moral inventory and why God wants us to not have fear when we are looking at our own lives and, and why, why he wants us to have some introspection and that introspection is never used for self-condemnation. It really is just information. So if you can think of it that way, that the whole introspection is not for condemnation. It's simply for information. God's not afraid of, the, of any of the information about us. He already gets us down to the core of our being, and there's nothing about us that is going to ever shock God. So he wants us to not be shocked either, because that's not, that is not a fun feeling. That's one of the feelings in the group of fear. And so we are going to spend the rest of this week on fear and that one particular emotion and what that means, why we have it, what we're to do with it, what, what, what are the good things about it, what are maybe some negatives about it, and really understanding that this was put into the design of humans when God created humans. So we have four feeling realms that psychologists really look at, psychotherapists, these people, uh, psychiatrists, and that is sad, mad, glad, and scared. And so if you're feeling confused, I usually tell people it's probably a, a combination of all of those feelings happening at one time or some semblance of that. So we have sad feelings, mad feelings, glad feelings, and scared feelings. And if you'll notice... Three out of the four seem pretty negative. Well, that really has a lot to do with the fall. So when we look at all of those feeling realms, we recognize that there's some very positive things within each of them. And there's also some negatives that are not very fun. So when we look at the scared realm, why, why would God add fear to our emotional realm? I mean, what truly is the purpose of fear? And what I've kind of come to understand through some through research, through personal experience, through just my years of being a therapist, is that I really believe that fear in its original form, actually its healthiest form, is that it, it really, the purpose of it is to have what we call a healthy respect of something or awe. It, it's used to orient us many times and it's really used for our safety. So when I have a healthy respect for weapons or I have a healthy respect when I'm standing on the edge of a precipice, right? You know that feeling if you're in a really tall building and you walk to the edge. Your brain kind of starts to buzz a little bit. It's, it's giving you an alarm. It's kind of like your car, if you have a smart car, it notices the, the lane lines, and my car starts to vibrate if I get on the lane line. It starts to say, hey, you're getting kind of close to the line there. So that's part of the, the 
purpose of fear is to recognize when I may be in danger, when the behaviors that I'm participating in or endeavoring upon are maybe not so healthy. It's also to let me know something that, that I can be in awe of, but also need to have a healthy respect for. So we can be in awe of a volcano. We can be in awe of the Grand Canyon, but we want to be very careful how close to the edge we get when we are really looking at the beauty of the Grand Canyon. So fear also is what we would call one of the more energizing feelings. Fear and anger and happiness energize us. Sadness is one of those feeling realms that takes energy from us. It doesn't generally cause us to be energized to do something. So fear is energetic. And it really helps us to push ourselves farther than we ever could go. It causes us to take healthy risks. It gives us the energy to do that. It helps us to accomplish very heroic endeavors individually and maybe for others on the behalf of others. It helps us also inversely to know our own limits. Our own fear, healthy fear, says that's not safe. That's not a good idea. And healthy fear helps us to know if we've also been injured. So we have a sympathetic nervous system that has tremendous amounts of adrenaline that when we're fighting for our life is, is, has the ability to numb our body so that we don't feel the pain until afterwards. And after we feel it, we start to be in awe maybe of what we have been through and have a healthy respect for the healing process to recognize maybe how injured we are. Sometimes those injuries are physical. Sometimes they're emotional. Sometimes the injury might be intellectual. You find out something that is disturbing. Sometimes the injury might be spiritual. You feel like God has let you down or you can't feel him. You don't know where he is. So it can be a scary feeling to think, how come I can't feel God anymore? Where is he? What happened? Is he really who I think he is? So the, the whole idea of knowing our own limitations and respecting them also helps us to exceed them. So one of the reasons that humans, you know, the, the Wright brothers had the idea of creating an airplane and were compelled to do it to the point of it didn't matter how many failures they had, they were sure of this idea. Well, we have airplanes because of it. So because humans can't fly, one of the things that fear did for the Wright brothers was kept them trying and truly making that idea of an airplane happen so that we actually exceed our own limitations. We now fly when we really physically can't. So think about the idea of a parachute. That's what a parachute does. It causes us to have a lot of safety. So many of those, those uh, first responders and those people that serve us in the military, if they didn't have parachutes, they wouldn't be able to continue fighting for us. This is one of the reasons that we have these, these in airplanes, or we, we, people jump out of airplanes as long as they have a parachute. So think of this other way that fear kind of alerts us. How about when you stand too close to, you know, like we said, to the edge? What about emotionally? So we have physical evidence of fear manifesting, but what about emotionally? Emotionally, sometimes we think, did I get too close to that person? Did I cross the line with that person? 
So there was the edge, and I, and I went over the edge with that person. And this is where we get this, this elusive, horrible feeling of anxiety. And anxiety is that chronic underlying feeling of fear, like something's wrong, something's not okay. Did I mess up? Are they not liking me? Are they talking about me? Am I revealing something about myself I don't know? It's that fear of embarrassment that comes into the fear column. And so fear in its fallen version, what sin has done to this feeling realm, is it creates timidity. It creates insecurity. There's a worried feeling. There's anxiety. There's the, there's the tendency to not try to push through and have courage to take on new endeavors and to press forward and to challenge yourself. Unhealthy fear becomes bigger than the idea or bigger than the endeavor. Unhealthy fear tells me not to reveal myself, tells me not to let people know who I am, and then creates even more insecurity if I do and if I don't reveal myself. So what does God continue to tell us? Through his word is an answer to all these types of fear. And I'm not going to read them all because I found like over a hundred, okay? And so Isaiah, this is one of my favorite ones, 41 verse 10, says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What he's saying is, don't be, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Now, it would be nice if it was in the flesh, but if you've ever been with someone that's afraid and you're with them and you're telling them, this is really going to be okay. We're really going to get through this. Your presence helps, but the issue really is more about trust. It's trust and faith. So we're going to talk later on about the antidote for fear, and that's probably going to be in a couple of weeks. But the antidote for fear really is faith and trust, and you'll see this as we go through this. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us not a spirit of fear. He did not give us a spirit of that kind of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. That's what we want to walk out. And 1 John chapter 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Again, this is the, the evidence of trust and faith. But perfect love casts out all fear. That regardless of how fallen I am, regardless how, as, to, as how mistake-making I am, perfect love causes me not to fear. I don't have to fear rejection. Rejection, that's in that fear group. And when people have a tendency to reject you, they generally are operating out of fear as well. Now, if they're rejecting your behaviors or they're rejecting your ideology, they're rejecting an idea you have, they don't agree, then that's a very different form than I'm rejecting you because I can't connect with you, I don't understand you, I don't know you. So instead of me learning how to do that, I'm going to reject you. Because then I don't have to feel afraid. I can make sure I don't get hurt if I reject you first. If I reject you first, then I don't have to worry about you rejecting me if I let you know who I am. 
So Psalms 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I love that. I sought the Lord. He answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. So think about that word, fears. That's not delivered me from fear. See, he delivered me from all my fears. Those are the things I'm afraid of that manifest from me not managing my own feeling realm of fear. So he delivered me of all my fears. And usually those fears are, are personal. They're about whether or not we measure up, whether people like us or not, whether we can do what we said that we can do, whether we're going to perform correctly. And what, the, what God is saying is, you sought me, I answered you, told you the truth about you, and I delivered you from all your fears. I love that. So Proverbs 29, verse 25, this says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. This is very, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And of course, we all know this one, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So don't be anxious about anything. See, we have someone that is at our side, has our back, is our best friend, and is the ruler of the universe. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. And those are the things I fear. That's not necessarily having healthy fear. And we're going to talk about healthy fear and unhealthy fear. So he's talking about unhealthy fear. He's saying, stop being so anxious about everything. Bring it all to me and thank me for how much I love you. Thank me for everything I've done for you. Thank me for the things I'm going to do for you. As you are letting your requests be known to me. So Psalms 56, verse 3 and 4 says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, God. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I can't tell you how many times I have really used that verse and then there, there are many other verses that say the same thing and it says who are you to fear mortal man do not fear mortal man what can they do to you and i've said this to clients several times really what can mortal man do to you versus what god can do to you see we don't even need to fear satan because god is bigger than satan god is bigger than any mortal so i say to clients i say to myself I mean, why are you fearing mortal man? What can they do to you? Hurt your feelings? That's the worst, really, that they can do, especially in America. Most of us, the majority of us, are not going to be fearing for our life that insurgents are coming in and taking over and, and killing us. And if that's the case, then we're going to have other options. And we're going to have ways to protect ourselves. So God is saying, what can mortal man do to you? Take your life? Well, even if he takes your life, you're with God instantly, right? So what can mortal men do? Steal, rob, kill, destroy. And then what God says, I, though, hold all of it in my hands, and I can repay tenfold, a hundredfold. I can bring back what the enemy has destroyed. And we see that in the book of Job. When we studied that book earlier on this year, when we looked at the book of Job, he got back more in leagues than he had lost. So we are not to fear 
mortal man. So what does Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 says? It says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's amazing. No mortal is with you wherever you go. You are the only one with you wherever you go. And how beautiful it is to know that not only am I with me, because sometimes that's not always fun, right? But I have the God of the universe that is with me when I fail me and when others fail me. So Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For did you not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear? You did not receive that spirit. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to cause you to fall back into fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So he doesn't want us to fall back into that kind of fear. He wants us to have confidence that we're adopted by God. And we're allowed to call him Father, as if we came from him physically. So Romans 8 Verses 38 and 39 says, For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm speaking to those of you who can't get over your past. This verse you must remember. This verse is very important. This is what it says. For I am sure that neither death nor life, that means nothing in this life or my death, no angels or rulers. And here's the thing. It says, nor things present, nor things to come. It doesn't say, not the past. See, the past can separate us from God emotionally. Not, not, we're not going to hell if we can't get over our past. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is, if I can't get over my past, that causes me to feel separate from God. God is saying, nothing in the future and nothing in the present can separate you from me. But if you dwell in the past, I'm not there. I'm not in the past. And we talked about this last week. When we, when we really talked about this idea that if I don't get over my past, my past is now in my present. It's operating right now in my present as if it's alive. And it changes and alters my future. So God is saying, if you're in your past, I'm not there. So he wants us to not be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of what's happened in our past. So let's end this with Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, nor dread them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and he will never leave you, and he will not forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, but be strong and courageous. Do not fear. That's what God is telling us today. That's what he's, this is one of the most important things for us to learn. And so I really did some, some research about this issue of fear when it comes to the Bible. 
And I want you to know that this particular author, his name is Matthew, and um, he, he is, he's part of this really incredible just Bible group. And so he's saying that do not lie, do not steal, love your enemies, do not murder, do unto others as you've had them do to you, and love your neighbors yourself. These are repeated, but not with that much frequency. I mean, we know this. Do not lie. Don't steal. Love your enemies. Don't murder. You know, do the golden rule. Love your neighbors yourself. They're repeated throughout the Bible, but none of them come close to the repetition, the repetition of one of the most popular commands in the Bible. The most popular de- command in the Bible is do not be afraid. God says that more than any other command. He says, do not be afraid. It appears in the New uh, International Version 70 times. And this, that, that doesn't even include the variants such as fear not or do not fear. But do not be afraid is said 70 times. And there's several interesting things about it. First of all, the Bible isn't saying there's nothing scary, so don't, don't be scared. That would be ridiculous. I mean, let's be, let's be real. Life, is, life can be quite scary. But that, however, does not mean we need to be scared of it. It doesn't mean we need to be scared of our own lives. He's telling us not to be afraid in our life. He's not telling us that things aren't going to scare us. He doesn't want us to live scared. Now, the second command, do not be afraid. This is usually followed by an action that God is or will be taking. So let me give you some examples. In Exodus chapter 14, 13, it says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Then he says, do not be afraid and stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22, it says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord, your God himself will fight for you. So many times when he's saying, do not be afraid, there's usually a command after that. And that's what you want to be listening for. If God is telling me, you know, I'm asking you to do this, or you have asked me if you can do it, and I'm giving you the yes. So don't be afraid. And then he will tell you what his part is, what he's going to do for you. Maybe he's just going to give you courage. I don't know. Maybe he's going to move mountains. Maybe he's going to open doors that nobody else can open. I don't know. But I do know that when God says to me, do not be afraid, do not fear mortal man, he always makes a way for me to walk through it, even if I'm a little scared. He's saying, you know what? You're going to have some kind of a lot of physical feelings going on. But in your mind, in your heart, do not be afraid. So we're coming to the end of today, and we're going to pick up more tomorrow on this idea of what does the Bible say about fear? What does God say about it? And we're going to end this week talking about, is fear bad? What is fear really about? And the positives and more of the negatives. And, And does God see it as bad when we are afraid? So I hope you have a blessed day. And I hope these Bible verses have been really encouraging for you. They're always helpful for me when I reread them and when I memorize them. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Enjoy the rest of your day. Join me tomorrow as we talk more about Do Not Be Afraid. Have a blessed day. Check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Thanks, Jeremy, for all your help. You're the greatest producer. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.